Pilgrimage, Volume 1, Pointed Roofs, by Dorothy Richardson. Chapter 10, Sections 12 and 13. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Expatriate in Bangor, Maine. Chapter 10, Section 12. Dearest Mim, I have a wonderful piece of news for you. I wonder what you will say. It is about Harriet. She has asked me to tell you as she does not like to write about it herself with steady hands miriam turned the closely written sheets reading a phrase here and there regularly in the seat behind us at all saints for months saw her with the pools at a concert at the assembly rooms and made up his mind then the moment he saw her joined the tennis club they won the double handicap a beautiful slazenger racket only just over sixteen for years of course mother says it's just a little foolish nonsense but i am not sure that she really thinks so gerald took me into his confidence made a solemn call admirably suited to each other rather a long melancholy good-looking face they look such a contrast the big canadian railway not exactly a clerk something rather above that to do with making drafts of things and so on very sweet and charming my own young days that i have reached the great age of twenty-three resident post in the country two little girls we think it very good pay i shall go in september plenty of time that you should come here for the long holidays we are all looking forward to it the tennis club your name as a holiday member the american tournament in august harry was the youngest lady member like you of course harriet could not let you come without knowing find somebody travelling through fräulein pfaff expect to see you looking like a flour sack with a string tied round its waist all the dwarf roses in bloom hardly any strawberries we shall see you soon everybody sends miriam got up and swung the half-read letter above her head like a dumbbell she looked about her like a stranger everything was as it had been the day she came the little cramped basement hall the strange german girls small and old-looking poking about amongst the baskets she hardly knew them she passed half blindly amongst them with her eyes wide the little dressing-room seemed full of bright light she saw every one at once clearly all the english girls were there she knew every line of each of them they were her old friends they knew her looking at none of them she felt she embraced them all closely and that they knew it they shone they were beautiful she wanted to cry aloud she was english and free she had nothing to do with this german school baskets at her feet made her pick her way solomon was kneeling at one sorting and handing out at a little table under the window milly stood jotting pencil notes on a pocket-book judy was at her side the others were grouped about the piano gertrude sat on the keyboard her legs dangling miriam plumped down on a full basket hello hendy old chap you look all right miriam looked fearlessly up at the faces that were turned towards her again she seemed to see all of them at once the circle of her vision seemed huge it was as if the confining rim of her glasses were gone and she saw equally from eyes that seemed to fill her face she drew all their eyes to her they were waiting for her to speak for a moment it seemed as if they stood there lifeless she had drawn all their meaning and all their happiness into herself she could do as she wished with them their poor little lives they stood waiting for some word from her she dropped her eyes and caught the flash of gertrude's swinging steel buckles wasn't fräulein angry she said carelessly someone pushed the door too sly old bird fancy imagining we shouldn't see through mademoiselle leaving hm said miriam 
I knew Mademoiselle would sneak if she had half a chance. Yes, ever since she got so thick with Elsa. Oh, Elsa. You bet Fräulein looks down on the two of them in her heart of hearts. Hmm. She's fairly sick, Jemima, with a lot of us this time. Mademoiselle told her some pretty things, laughed Gertrude. Lily thinks we're lost souls, nearly all of us. Only swall, my dears, only swall. It's all very well, but there's no knowing what Mademoiselle would make her believe. She'd got reams about you, Hendy, nothing bad enough. Hm, said Miriam, I can imagine. Her thoughts brought back a day when she had shown Mademoiselle the names in her birthday book and dwelt on one page, and let Mademoiselle understand that it was the page, brown eyes, le yeux brun français. Why did Mademoiselle and Fräulein think that bad, want to spoil it for her? She had said nothing about the confidences of the German girls to anyone. Elsa must have found that out from Clara. Oh, well, it's all over now. Let's be thankful and think no more about it. All very fine, Jemima. You're going home. Thank goodness. And not coming back. Lunky piglankin. Well, so am I, said Miriam, and I'm not coming back. I say, aren't you coming to Norderney? Gertrude flashed dark eyes at her. Can't you come to Norderney, said Judy thickly at her elbow? Well, you see, there are all sorts of things happening at home. I must go. One of my sisters is engaged and another going away. I must go home for a while. Of course, I might come back. Think it over, Henderson, and see if you can't decide in our favor. We shall have another Miss Owen. Miriam struggled up out of her basket. But I thought you all liked Miss Owen. Ha! Goodness! Too simple for words. You never told us you had any sisters, Hendy, said Jimmy, tapping her on the wrist. What a pity you're going just as we're getting to know you, Judy smiled shyly and looked on the floor. Well, I'm off with my bundle, announced Gertrude, to be continued in our next. Think it over, Hendy. Don't desert us. Hurry up, my room. It'll be tea time before we're straight. Come on, Jim. Miriam moved, with Judy following at her elbow across the room to Milly. She looked up with her little plaintive frown. Miriam could not remember what her plans were. Let's see, she said. You're going to Norderney, aren't you? I'm not going to Norderney, said Millie, almost tearfully. I only wish I were. I don't even know I'm coming back next term. Aren't you looking forward to the holidays? I don't know. I'd rather be staying here if I'm not coming back after. To stay in Germany? You'd rather do that than anything? Rather. Here? With Fräulein Pfaff? Of course here with Fräulein Pfaff. I'd rather be in Germany than anything. Millie stood staring with her pout and her slightly raised eyebrows at the frosted window. Would you stay here in the school for the holidays if Fräulein were staying? I'd do anything, said Millie, to stay in Germany. You know, said Miriam, gazing at her, so would I, any mortal thing. Millie's eyes had filled with tears. Then why don't you stay, said Judy, with gentle gruffness. Section 13. The house was shut up for the night. Miriam looked up at the clock dizzily as she drank the last of her coffee. It marked half-past eleven. Fräulein had told her to be ready at a quarter to twelve. Her hands felt large and shaky and her feet were cold. The room was stifling, bare and brown in the gaslight. She left it and crept through the hall where her trunk stood and up the creaking stairs. She turned up the gas. Emma lay asleep with red eyelids and cheeks. Miriam did not look at Ulrika. Hurriedly and desolately she packed her bag. She was going home empty-handed. She had achieved nothing. Fräulein had made not the slightest effort to keep her. She was just nothing again, with her Saratoga trunk in her handbag. 
harriet had achieved harriet she was just going home with nothing to say for herself the carriage is here my child make haste miriam pushed things hurriedly into her bag fräulein had gone downstairs she was ready she looked numbly round the room emma looked very far away she turned out the gas the dim light from the landing shone into the room she stood for a moment in the doorway looking back the room seemed to be empty there seemed to be nothing in it but the black screen standing round the bed that was no longer hers good-bye she murmured and hurried downstairs in the hall fräulein began to talk at once talking until they were seated side by side in the dark cab then miriam gazed freely at the pale profile shining at her side poor fräulein pfaff getting old fräulein began to ask about miriam's plans for the future miriam answered as to an equal elaborating a little account of circumstances at home and the doings of her sisters as she spoke she felt that fräulein envied her her youth and her family at home in england and she raised her voice a little and laughed easily and moved crossing her knees in the cab she used sentimental german words about harriet a description of her that might have applied to emma little emphatic tender epithets came to her from the conversations of the girls fräulein praised her german warmly and asked question after question about the house and garden at barnes and presently of her mother i can't talk about her said miriam shortly that is english murmured fräulein she's such a little thing said miriam smaller than any of us presently fräulein laid her gloved hand on miriam's gloved one you and i have i think much in common miriam froze and looked at the gas lamp slowly swinging by along the boulevard much will have happened in england whilst you have been here with us said fräulein eagerly they reached a street shuttered darkness where the shops were and here and there the yellow flare of a cafe she strained her eyes to see the faces and forms of men and women breathing more quickly as she watched the characteristic german gait there was the station her trunk was weighed and registered there was something to pay she handed her purse to fräulein and stood gazing at the uniformed man ruddy and clear-eyed clear hard blue eyes and hard clean clear yellow moustaches decisive untroubled movements passengers were walking briskly about and laughing and shouting remarks to each other the train stood waiting for her the ringing of an enormous bell brought her hands to her ears fräulein gently propelled her up the three steps into a compartment marked damen coupe it smelt of biscuits and wine a man with a booming voice came to examine her ticket he stood bending under the central light uttering sturdy german words miriam drank them in without understanding he left the carriage very empty the great bell was ringing again fräulein standing on the top step pressed both her hands and murmured words of farewell leb wohl mein kind gott segne dich good-bye fräulein she said stiffly shaking hands the door was shut with a slam the light seemed to go down miriam glanced at it half the dull green muslin shade had slipped over the gas globe the carriage seemed dark the platform outside was very bright fräulein had disappeared the train was high above the platform politely smiling miriam scrambled to the window the platform was moving the large bright station moving away fräulein's wide smile was creasing and caverning under her hat from which the veil was thrown back standing at the window miriam smiled sharply fräulein's form flowed slowly away with the platform 
groups passed by smiling and waving miriam sat down she leaped up to lean from the window the platform had disappeared end of chapter ten recording by expatriate in bangor maine end of pilgrimage volume one pointed roofs by dorothy richardson